Hello, everybody, and welcome. Happy Wednesday. It's time for happy hour. Hope everybody's had a fantastic week so far. I am really excited about today's guest. Um, I probably say that every week, don't I? But I really genuinely am every week excited for each guest. So this week, though, I am going to be joined by Amanda Marie Upholstery. She's asking to join her. I've heard amazing things about her, and I'm really excited to get to know her a little bit. She should be joining in shortly. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining in. Yay! Hi! Hi! How are you? I'm good. You did it. This is your first IG Live. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> and you're at the shop today, and you got all sorts of crazy stuff going on in the background. I'm excited. Maybe you can give us a little tour later. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I can't show too much of it because there's a classified car here. <laughs> you work on all of the most amazing projects. Like, I, I feel like just looking through your Instagram page, it's like cars I've never even heard of, super high-end crazy stuff. I'm, I'm really excited to dig into this happy hour. So thanks for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So let's tell everybody who is watching who may not know who you are, who you are and what you do. Um, I'm Amanda Beyer, and I own Amanda Maria Upholstery, and I'm in Appleton, Wisconsin, um, and this is my shop. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Very, very straightforward. So I know of you through Molly Gursky. Um, mm -hmm. You did the interior on her SEMA build and did a, a phenomenal job on it. Um, how did you get into doing automotive upholstery? Like, what, how did this all start for you? I just had to find a job where I could do something with cars and to be able to get my creative side out of me and doing upholstery was just the perfect fit to do that. And it was love at first sight. It was, it really was. As soon as I took an upholstery class and um, decided that's what I was going to do, I, it was, it was just perfect. <laughs> was that in high school, college? Was it like a, where did you take an upholstery class at? I went to the tech for interior design and there was an upholstery class and I took that one. And as soon as I ended the class, I pretty much quit that whole degree. Really? <laughs> like, well, that's not what I want to do anymore. I want to do upholstery. So that was kind of where it took off. Nice. So was it like a random thing that you decided to take an upholstery class? It was part of the, the curriculum. It was just one of the classes offered. Okay. And I thought, well, this looks fun. Let's try it. <laughs> I got to see. <laughs> That's amazing. So just kind of an, a required course. And then the minute you touched it, you were, you were game. Yep. I love it. That is so awesome. What um, you said it was you had to find a career that let you work with cars. Where, where did that desire and need come from? My dad. I used to just go out in the shop to hang out with him and whatever he was doing, he was a, he worked on tractors a lot. So there was a lot of nights I'd just be scraping shit off the tire track or the tractor tires just so <laughs> that I could be out there with him and learn along the way. And that was kind of just where it all started. Nice. Very cool. So from the time you were young, you knew that yep. you wanted a career with cars. Yep, for sure. Very cool. Now, were you always super creative and artistic? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Love it. Very cool. And was your dad supportive of you getting into doing automotive stuff, like hanging out in the garage? Because I hear different things, right? Some dads are, yes, they want their daughters out in the garage. And then other dads are like, mm, nope, not a place for a girl. <laughs> well, he was and he wasn't. Um, when he found out I was going to do upholstery. He was then, but when I told him that I wanted to be a mechanic, he's like, hmm, I'm not sure that's the best job for you. And I agree with him. It, it, I wouldn't have been as happy as I am now if I would have been a mechanic. Um, Interesting. It just wouldn't have offered the creative outlet for me that I needed. Yeah. So I'm glad I went down the path that I did, and I'm glad that he encouraged me to, to not go down the path that I thought that I had wanted. <laughs> Funny how that happens. Sometimes they're right, right? Yep. <laughs> so now you got, you took class, you got super interested. Then, then what happened? How did we get to where we are now where you own your own shop and you're doing this um, super high-end vehicles? Sure. So 
once I quit college, I started working as a bartender just till I kind of figured things out. And in there, my <laughs> regulars um, worked at Gulfstream Aerospace. Okay. So she told me that they were looking for contractors to be in the upholstery department. And I said, well, that sounds perfect. Sign me up. <laughs> so then I learned how to do aircraft interiors for seven years. On oh, the wow. most luxurious aircrafts in the entire world. These things were just beautiful. And they were like private airplanes, I'm assuming, not like commercial yeah. stuff. Yep, so they're, they're private aircrafts for Fortune 500 companies, Oprah Winfrey, Tom Cruise, Lance Armstrong, oh, wow. some of the people that had aircrafts there. So when I say that these were luxury jets, they were <laughs> top-notch, just gorgeous. Um, so that really set the standard of quality really, really high. And I really had to perform at a very high level to have that job. And, then, and that was your first job out of, like, that was your first upholstery job. Like yeah. right out the gate. Amazing. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, Talk about yeah, like sink so or swim. Was... You got thrown in. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then after I worked there for seven years, I ended up going to a Ferrari restoration company in Nina, oh. uh, Motion Products, who is one of the, the most well-known Ferrari restoration shops in the world. They're, they're, amazing the things that these guys do is just mind-blowing and so then i started working on ferraris for four or five years and um from there i decided that it was time to just open my own business and see what i could do for myself and it's been an absolute dream i love every minute of it that's awesome what was what was the drive to do your own business because i feel like i hear you know, everybody says they want to open up their own business someday. Some people do, some people don't. What was the driver for you? Personal freedom, the ability to kind of make my own life, not have to answer to anybody, to <laughs> create a, an amazing team of people who have similar passions and just to work on the cars that I want to work on and feel like I've done that. That's awesome. How long have you had your business now? I'm in year four right now. Nice. Congratulations. That is, that is awesome. That's no small feat getting to four years. <laughs> yeah, it was tough. <laughs> yeah. <It> was <laughs> right, the beginning of being in business for yourself is always like, I was supposed to have more freedom. Yeah. <laughs> How did that happen? <laughs> nice. But you made it through. And now is it, is it just you? Do you have a team? Um, right now it's just me. I'm working on getting my first employee, which is another huge step in business. And I'm so looking forward to it because I'm so far behind. <laughs> <laughs> I've got two years backlog and I need some help tackling it. <laughs> yep. Totally understand. That's a scary transition, right? Going from a, from being a solopreneur to being, having employees, it's like a whole different ball game, but doing it because you're super busy is a is an awesome problem to have yep. i saw a couple of questions that i want to ask you somebody asked if you got a business loan or did you have money already or how did you start your business by the seat of my pants <laughs> cheers to that that's how i did it <laughs> i know i didn't um i didn't have very much set aside before i made the leap um, to be honest, it was really hard and I wish I would have had more set aside, but I didn't. I made it through a little bit skinnier, but I made it through. <laughs> <laughs> You're lucky. I put on weight making it through. You lost yeah. weight making it through. <laughs> no, I think that's a really common question that people ask and I did it the same way. I, I had no nest egg planned. I had no like real preparation because that moment when I finally took the leap I didn't I wasn't actually prepared <laughs> like I didn't actually like it kind of was spontaneous right yep. and and you can do it that way but oh my gosh it is so much harder when you do and so I, I strongly recommend to other people <laughs> not to do that <laughs> I feel though that it did make me more passionate about what I was doing because I believed so much in what I was doing and that it was the right thing for me to do that awesome. I just, you just find a way, you know, like if you truly 
believe a hundred percent in your craft and yeah. your talents, then I think you can make it. Yeah, failure isn't an option, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> Especially when you got four kids depending on you. Oh my goodness! So you have four kids and a business. Yep. I bow down to you. <laughs> How do you balance all of that? My husband. <laughs> Your husband helps out. <laughs> oh my goodness! I couldn't do any of it without him. He's no. fantastic. He's my business partner. He's my partner at home. He's he's my everything. He's a huge, huge part of all of it. Having a support system is key, yep. right? That's how old are your kids? Oh God, they're four, seven, nine, and twelve. Oh my gosh, you've got your hands full. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> that is so fantastic. So now you're working for yourself, and how did you how did you get the word out? Was it all just these contacts that you'd built over the years, or how did you land in this spot where? You obviously started on high-end stuff from the get-go, but to have high-end customers and high-end cars that you're working on regularly. Having the past experience that I've had really helped a lot. Um, being able to tell people that I was the only upholsterer at a world-renowned Ferrari restoration shop was huge and helping me get the clientele that I have now. Um, but a lot of it was just from Facebook and building my Facebook page up and getting the word out that way. Word of mouth has been really big. Um, the Fox Valley in Wisconsin is really a big car networking place. Um, there's the, a lot What of is it? The Fox Valley area, the, okay. the, what am I trying to say? The car community is really big here. Um, we have so many talented people here and it's really great working with all of them. Um, Zero to 60 is one of the shops that I do business with and they do uh, primarily Porsches and really high-end restorations there as well. And they get me a lot of business and just the whole networking has been huge too. Do you find yourself mostly working with other shops that are subletting to you or are you working direct with customers more? I do both. I'm a pretty good mix of both of them. Um, I share a shop with Perusha Automotive Craftsmanship. They do all the metal fabricating. Okay. Um, and when I have interiors that require full interiors that are customized um, panels and stuff, they um, take the, that work on for me. Um, but they mostly do all shop to shop business where I do a little bit more of um, people off the streets and um, shop to shop. So I kind of have a broad spectrum. I get you have, all over the place. <laughs> do you have one that you, do you prefer one versus the other? Um, usually the ones that I get from other restoration shops come in a little bit cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> like the one that I got from Molly was beautiful. Well, I would expect nothing less from Molly. <laughs> right. She's amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. So for those of you who don't know, Molly was on one of my previous happy hours. You can check out her happy hour, but she did a, a SEMA T-Bird, mom's T-Bird. And you did all of the upholstery for it. You did the dash and everything, right? Yep. Yep. That was the most satisfying job I think I've ever been a part of. It was just amazing from the very beginning, everything about it, the, the customers and working with Molly and just the, the team aspect of it all was just amazing. It was really great working with her. That's awesome. Yeah, she's, a, she's phenomenal. And yep. she speaks very highly of you as well. <laughs> so aside from Mom's T-Bird, because we're going to say that that's the favorite so far, what, um, what's been your favorite project that you've done or most proud of project? As a business, the Lincoln or even before 275 GTB 4 cam, all time <laughs> favorite. <laughs> I don't think anything will ever top that car in my eyes. It's just a beautiful car all around and being able to be a part of the interior on one of them was life changing for me. I love in what, in what way? Um, just working on Ferraris. Um, 
they have coach builders and one of my favorite coach builders is Pininfarina and getting to do all of the Pininfarina interiors helped me get to know him a little bit better and when I got to do the 275 GTB4 cam I can't really explain how it felt <laughs> it was it was a feeling that you only get doing something that you truly truly love doing and it was just a pivotal moment for me where it was that one job that made me think like this is it this is it for me this That's was awesome. perfect <laughs> it was just a beautiful interior it's just well put together and it was gorgeous that's amazing. And I, I love that when you have that moment of affirmation, like I am on the right path, I am doing the right thing, I'm where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. That's very cool. As far as upholstery goes, because you do the whole thing, you do carpet, you do seats, you do dashes, you do everything. Do you have an area of the car that you, the type of work that you like doing more than any other? No. All of it. I love all of it. <laughs> Every aspect of it brings something completely new and exciting to the table. I mean, when I tear down a car, I get to see what this car has been through in its life. It tells its own story. And then when I get to tear the seats down and build the frames back up, I'm giving it its bones back and I'm making it sturdy again for the next 50 years. And then I get to build up and sculpt the foam and it's just that satisfying because I get to be so creative in that. And then the patterning of the, the dress covers and installing them and just creating something new and beautiful out of a hide of leather that, you know, it's just amazing to me. The whole aspect of it is just amazing to me and so much fun. I love the way you talk about it. I mean, your passion is, is obvious. It's oozing out of you. Like you clearly <laughs> love what you're doing and that is, it's just, it's kind of rare to hear. So it's really, it's really awesome to hear how just full of love you are for what you do. It makes me emotional, but it's, it's great. Every day is just a beautiful journey and I love it. Oh my gosh. I adore you. You're <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Molly said that you were special. You are 100% special. <laughs> so what kind of fun stuff do you have going on in the shop right now, aside from your confidential car that you can't talk about? <laughs> um, I've got a 63 Jaguar here who came in for convertible top yesterday. So I'm excited to tear into that one. Convertible top, huh? Oof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that would be one of my least favorite things. <laughs> was, I was going to say. <laughs> but they are also fun in their own ways as well. They're a challenge. <laughs> Yes, I, from a mechanical perspective, I I don't like dealing with convertible tops. Yep. Yep. They are definitely a challenge in themselves, but they're fun too. <laughs> and then I've also got a 74 Oldsmobile First 442 that I'm doing an interior in. Um, not a full interior, a partial interior, but it's getting upgraded to new leather seats and panels and some really, really pretty black square weave carpet. Nice. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Do you, I saw a question scroll by earlier. Somebody asked about patterns. Mm -hmm. um, do you generally make your own patterns? Are you using other patterns that exist already? How does that work? I know very little about upholstery. <laughs> yep. Every job that I do, I make my own patterns for it. Because um, the phone's always different. And especially if it's something that I'm sculpting myself, you have to make the patterns to fit what you're covering. And if I were, when you do kit interiors, they're kind of a general pattern that should fit. They don't always fit. And so to make something that's more tailored, you need to tailor it. <laughs> oh, yes. I do make my own patterns. <laughs> awesome. So now how, how did you learn? So from the one class you took and then getting into the aircraft stuff, did you just learn on the job? Did you have mentors? How did that whole, how did, I'm just in awe. <laughs> Your work is so amazing. When I worked at Gulfstream, I had 
many mentors. Pretty much everybody there was a mentor to me, and it was a pretty big shop. So I learned from a lot of really great upholsters, and I'm very, very lucky to have had them in my life. Um, and then when I went on to working on Ferraris, I didn't realize how big of a difference it is between aircraft and automotive interiors. And I was the only upholsterer they had, so I didn't have anybody to ask questions to. And luckily, one day, Mike Curley from Curley Coach Training, or Michael J. Um, Coach Training from New Hampshire came to the shop to check on one of the cars that was there. And I had a conversation with him and I said, I don't know what I'm doing. And if you see anything that I'm doing that's wrong, please tell me so I can fix it. <laughs> and ever since then, he was, he was my mentor. He was my best friend and he helped me through so many jobs. To this day, I still am in constant contact with him, asking him questions and- Oh wow. Yeah, he's been, a huge, huge, huge part of my career. I love that so much. And so anybody who's listening, that's like so key right there is that attitude of, let me know if I'm doing something wrong, teach me, right? And I, I hear gripes a lot from, from especially younger people coming into the industry, kind of saying like, oh, nobody wants to teach me, nobody wants to, you know, the, the, these old guys don't want to let go of their secrets. and. So much of it, I think, is the attitude that you come in with. And if you're willing to say, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. even if you do know, be willing to say, I don't know, and see what you might learn. <laughs> yeah, because you never, you don't always know everything. You never know everything. It's impossible. And even the people that I worked with at Motion Products that weren't upholsters still taught me stuff every single day. And... I'm so thankful for their friendships as well. And I don't ever think that any male I've ever worked with has held me back in any way, shape or form. They've all helped build me to be who I am now. And it's just been a really great ride for 14 years. <laughs> Amazing. Cheers to that. That's awesome. You don't have a drink with you. It's happy hour. No drink? I don't have a drink. No. <laughs> well, you're officially still at work, so I guess we're, yeah. we'll allow that. Right. You said something earlier about how how different aircraft upholstery was from automotive. In what way? How they're just the processes, um, how things are held together. Everything in the aircraft world is held together with Velcro and yep. Everything in the automotive world is held together with hog rings and um, aircrafts. Everything is built to a print and you had very specific guidelines that you had to follow. Whereas automotive is, well, it is what it is, you know, just figure it out. Um, <laughs> I, didn't have, I didn't have those, you know, set guidelines to follow. And um, especially with the Italian stuff, I mean, the Italians did things a very certain way. And being a concourse restoration shop, you had to do it exactly how the Italians did it. If you didn't, you don't have a perfect car. And so there was a lot of figuring out the, the ways the Italians did it. And um, they're, they're totally different than how the Germans did it and totally different than how, you know, the Americans did it with the domestic cars. American cars are... So different. They're just kind of like the cheapest and easiest way to get it off of the line is good enough. Just get it out. <laughs> right. Totally. <laughs> and, and no consistency from one car to the next. <laughs> but the Italians had such a, an eye for detail and everything was handmade. And it was just, they're truly a pleasure to work on. They're great doing restoration work to that end, I mean, you're recreating history. So you're like diving, diving deep into the minds of the people who built the cars in the first place, which has got to be just a, a, an amazing journey to go on. And you've done a lot of custom work too. Mm -hmm. Is there, is there a difference for you in that creative process or is it still, is it still tapping into that same creativity when you're working on replicating something versus creating something out of nothing? 
Well, when you have something to look at, like when I'm recreating the Italian cars, it's a little easier because I have something to go off of. And I did that for, for four years. So I, I was very accustomed to that. And then to work on something more creative and custom, it definitely touches a different side of your brain and makes you think in a whole different way. Um, but each has their challenges and each has their high points. And I think they, they're both very satisfying. <laughs> awesome, very cool. So with plans for the future, going to being more than a solopreneur and bringing on team members, what are your what are your thoughts? Are you gonna be looking for somebody experienced? Are you gonna be looking to take somebody on who you can mentor and raise up? Or what do you think? First employee needs to be somebody who's experienced. Um, just because I don't have the time to train anybody at the moment. But if I have somebody more experienced, then I would absolutely love to have in, uh, one or two apprentices and um, I've been working with the RPM Foundation mm, nice. and they're going to hopefully be sending me an apprentice or two to be working with as soon as I get my experience to upholster. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm super excited cool. about that. So for those who don't know, would you explain what the RPM Foundation is? Uh, the RPM Foundation is um, a nonprofit, I believe, that works with schools around the country and getting students placed in professions that um, are what they're wanting to get into and um, they help them get into their jobs for the future um, and they don't have a really an upholstery department of that yet so they don't have a curriculum written for it so that's something that I'll be able to work with them on as well, getting that set up. So I'm really excited about that too. That's phenomenal. Yeah, you don't see upholstery often as one of the, the offerings. And yet it's such a, I mean, what's the first thing that people notice about cars at all of the car shows they go to? It's the paint and then it's the interior. <laughs> and those are the most noticeable things. And yet you just, you don't hear about it all that often. Do you feel like it's a dying art or is it still thriving? It's thriving, but it's definitely, there's not a lot of people out there that do it. I mean, in the state of Wisconsin, I can think of maybe 10 upholstery shops um, and they're kind of broad spectrum upholstery shops too. Um, not just solely automotive like I am. Um, I don't know how it is in other states, but I, I do feel like there's not enough of us out there. We could oh, look, RPM Foundation is on our live right now. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Very cool. We love what you do, RPM Foundation. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> so what is your advice to other women who are, or just anybody really, male or female, who thinks that this might be a journey or a path for them get into it just do it <laughs> that's simple just do it <laughs> don't hold back um but yeah find um either somebody locally that does it or um i know there's not a whole lot of schools around that really do it um mcpherson college is one of them that i can think of off the top of my head that has an upholstery class um and a lot of really great people have come from McPherson College, so that's always an option. Um, hook up with the RPM Foundation. Yeah, there you go, because they're going to have a whole like upholstery division soon, <laughs> thanks to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's you know it's interesting because I talk a lot about exposure, right, and how one of the challenges we have with getting more people into the industry is that so many kids don't even know that that's an option for them. Yep, and it's even worse for upholstery, I imagine, because it's it's not. I mean, auto repair shops in high school are kind of going going away these days, but there was never an upholstery <laughs> program, right? So, like, how do we expose kids to this and show the the career path options for them in that? Like, there's a challenge there. 
there is a challenge there. Um, I am, I would like to work more closely with the National Upholstery Association. Um, they focus a lot on furniture, but I would like to bring to them the automotive side a little bit more and see if we can't open up something for the country that um, is solely upholstery for a coach trimming. Um, oh my gosh, that would be amazing. Yeah, and really, you know, train people and get people doing things, you know, the right way and not just kind of hodgepodge together and call it an interior. <laughs> right. That would be so amazing. So they, there isn't an organization right now for automotive upholstery. Not that I'm aware of. Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> Interesting. All right. So you've got a, you've got a lot of really big goals ahead of you. <laughs> For some reason, I have no doubt that you're going to accomplish them. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh my gosh. Um, whew, what else? What else? Uh, what else do we want to talk about? Um, you, I saw in front some of your Instagram stuff that in Instagram pictures, I should say that you kind of we're doing some metal working with a plenishing hammer, it looked like. So you're yep. doing a lot of overlap stuff aside from just the upholstery work. Is that a lot of trial by fire learning as you as you go? Um, well, my husband is a metal fabricator and he's ah, nice. So I learned so much from him. Um, and he always encourages me to to try new things to see what I can do and not limit myself. So he's taught me how to weld. He's taught me how to use all of the big equipment here. And I'm not as efficient on it as he is. But when it comes to making my own door panels and straightening metal out and stuff, I can I can do it. Do you enjoy <laughs> it? When he does it, but I can do it too. <laughs> <laughs> do you enjoy doing it? I do. I really do. It's it's something different. Every day is something different, whether I'm working with wood or working with metal. It's just it's always a new adventure. <laughs> I bet. Very important question, and it has nothing to do with anything other than, are we going to be able to get you involved in the Volvo interior? <laughs> I love Volvos. <laughs> do you? That's, you've worked on Volvos before? I have. I've worked nice. on one Volvo. It was not a very nice one, but I have worked on one Volvo. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? It was an Amazon. Oh, those are fun, though. They are. It was just in really rough shape, and he didn't want to do a full restoration on it. He just wanted the interior to be presentable. So I had to kind of, like, cover up some holes. And <laughs> it was not something I, I, I enjoy doing that, you know, I prefer doing the full restorations where everything is nice and clean and, you know, sound. <laughs> yeah. And you're starting from, you're starting with a clean slate, right? It isn't yep. fixing stuff that's there and yeah. yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, Somebody is asking, is there anyone asking for specific laser cut images in your leather upholstery? That's an interesting question. Um, yeah. Actually, one of the jobs that I am currently designing is a 1969 Firebird that will be designed to be futuristic. So it will be highly, um, there'll be a lot of technology added into it, touchscreen monitors and um, everything will be electric. And there is a Tracy Weaver, who is one of my favorite coach trimmers. Um, he has a laser engraver and I really want to work with him on that and getting something more custom into that Firebird. I think that would be really cool. Um, but I haven't had a whole lot of experience in laser engraving to date, but I definitely am going to start doing that more often. That's awesome. Very cool. And their follow-up question to that was, how long does it take to master the craft of upholstery? That's an interesting one. A lifetime? Yeah, you never <laughs> stop. <laughs> yes, I agree. Like, we're never a master of anything. We're always still in the process of learning. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. I'm just passionately curious. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what do you find the biggest challenges to be? Either in business or just upholstery in general? 
doing everything, being the owner and having to do the book work and the invoicing and the estimating and the designing and all in them production. Right. Somehow I have to put that in there. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, and have a family and all the rest of it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You're wearing like 14,000 different hats and you're constantly, yep. yep. I absolutely can understand that. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. Another question from the peanut gallery. Um, outside of Ferrari, what is your dream project? Forty-nine Merc would be really cool. Okay. I love those. Um, I don't know. They're all great. I mean, they all have a a different design and a different style, and I think they're all neat. I'd love to do all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You are like me. People ask me what my favorite car is, and I'm like broken ones that I get to fix. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I like them all. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. All of them. All right. So what kind of car do you drive? Do you have a, a cool classic or? I have a 51 Chevy that is currently being restored. And nice. hopefully next spring she'll be on the road as my daily driver. And Yay. I cannot wait for that day. <laughs> <laughs> How long has it been in the restoration process? Uh, about 10 years now. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Getting a little anxious. <laughs> I can imagine. Are you having another shop do it, or is you and your husband My doing dad it? My dad has been doing it. Um, it started out as a project that he and I were tackling together, and then I had a family and a business, and I haven't been able to help him out on it as much as I want to. Um, but... Once it's done on his end, then it'll come in for the interior, and then that's my time to shine. That's the stuff that I know. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool, though. That's a, that makes it extra special, even though it's taking 10 years, and it's dad and, yep. and you. That's very cool. Yep. Somebody asked, and I'm not sure if this is because uh, they're interested in having you do work, but they want to know how far, you're, how far of a backlog you have. Um, I have about two years right now. Oh, if wow. that me doing it by myself. If I have another upholsterer come wow. in, it'll be less than that. But I get calls every single day um, asking, you know, for an estimate and I book up quick. <laughs> That's incredible. That is something to be incredibly proud of. Two years. You definitely need to get some help in there, huh? They <laughs> <laughs> <I> definitely do. <laughs> Oh my goodness. That's amazing. So where do you, where does one go to find an experienced upholsterer? I mean, bringing on Facebook. an apprentice is easy, but. Um, well, I've worked with this person in the past that I'm looking to hire. So ah. that was really helpful. <laughs> I mean, he's got years of experience. He's been doing aircraft work and he's um, owned his own awning and canopy business and he's done hot rods and he's done convertible tops for six years and he's just a very very well-rounded upholsterer um, so I really lucked out having already known him from past experience um, not everybody has the opportunity yeah um, on Facebook there's um, some pages the professional upholsters network is one of them that I am a part of um, and anytime somebody's looking to hire, they always put up an ad on there and hopefully somebody bites. <laughs> um, but it's hard because, you know, there isn't a lot of us out there and yeah. those that are in the industry are ready, either own their own business or they're happy working where they're at. There's really not a whole lot of freelancers out there waiting for a job. <laughs> Yeah, I, I can imagine. I feel like the challenges of finding a good technician is probably uh, quite a bit worse than that. Yep. Does, do you feel like it's a pretty tight-knit community because there are so few? Like, do you, do, is there like a network around the country that you guys all kind of know each other? For sure, absolutely. Um, I'm friends with a lot of trimmers, and I'm so thankful for all of them. I've learned so much um, from Facebook. I've met so many amazing people through the networks in the upholstery world. It's, it's incredible. 
male and female, there's, there's a lot of them out there that just want to see other people succeed. And I love being a part of that. That's phenomenal. What you, you mentioned kind of male or female, is there, what's the, what's the gender divide? Like, is it more men, more women, both? Uh, in the automotive world, I'd say there's more men, for sure. And then outside of the automotive world, is it more women? In the upholstery part, I'd say it's about even. Interesting. Um, as far as furniture goes, I'd say it's about even. Interesting. Do you think there's, what do you, why do you think that reason might be? Why, why are there not more women in automotive upholstery? I don't know. <laughs> I'm missing out though. A lot of fun. Right? <laughs> Anybody not in the automotive industry in general is missing out. Yeah. So I agree to that. <laughs> Molly for you once. <laughs> Heck, I'd come out to Wisconsin and work with you if you'll train me. Yes, I would love that. <laughs> Which reminds me, somebody asked earlier what the Volvo project was. And I don't know if you're familiar, but we have a, an all-female Volvo build going on. It's a it's a PV five forty four, so it was out kind of the same time as as the uh, the one that you were working on. But um, we we don't have anybody to do the interior yet. I don't think we've been we've been talking to some different options. But seeing your work, I don't know. That'd be pretty amazing. I would love to be a part of it. Absolutely, that would be so much fun. That'd be very cool. Maybe you and Molly can come out at the same time. <laughs> That'd be great. Nice. Now, so since you're, I'm going all over the place here, but um, I have, I keep having just different thoughts from things that we've talked about in the past, but your, um, your original inclination of going into being a mechanic and dad convincing you out of that, have you experimented with much of that since then? Or has it been just full-time upholstery? Yeah, it's just been full-time upholstery. Um, up until this past year, um, my husband's been helping me fix my car, and I've been out there with him learning as much as I can, um, replacing the rotors and the wheel bearings and stuff like that. And, you know, it's not, I'm sure to mechanics, it's not anything that's difficult, but to me it was a totally new learning experience, and I really got a kick out of it, and I would like to learn more. Um, but I'm also good at, you know, just sticking with the upholstery as well. <laughs> I, I feel like so much of it, though, you've probably already gotten over, right? So much that gets in the way of people being able to work on cars or do anything is the fear of them and mm -hmm. the fear of the unknown. And doing upholstery, you're, you're taking things apart. You know how to take things apart and put them back together. Like, that's the biggest piece of it. The rest of it is just learning learning the bits and pieces, but it's all taking things apart and putting them back together. Yeah, yep, absolutely. All just variations of the same theme. Yep, for sure. So aside from hiring new people, what is what are your goals for your business? I would love to be a one-stop shop with the guys that I'm working with to be able to have a car come in in complete shambles and have it go home, beautiful first class restoration. Um, and maybe that's a long time down the road. Maybe not, who knows, but it'd be fun. <laughs> that would be fun. So the guys you work with are doing restorations? They do all of the metal fabricating. Um, okay. Austin is the owner of Fruge Automotive Craftsmanship and my husband, Nick, that works alongside of him and I. Um, we all came from Motion Products, the Ferrari restoration ah. shop. So they do, um, they make panels, they make trim pieces, they do absolutely everything. They can take a car from a, a barn fire that is completely unnoticeable as a car, and they can build it back to exactly how it looks the day it came off of. Um, out of the factory. They just do such amazing things. And actually, the car right there uh -huh. is the Strata Americana, and that is a build that they designed themselves, um, and they're building from scratch. Oh, wow. Um, it's very, um, 
very exciting. I cannot wait for it. Um, but it has a lot of Italian influence in it. We all just, we all love the Italian designs so much. They, they're just so beautiful. You can't beat them. They're, they're just gorgeous. So that's going to be a really fun car. <laughs> so they're building it entirely from scratch. Yep. That's incredible. And then yep. you're going to be doing the interior on it, I presume? I hope so. <laughs> I don't know who else they go with, but yeah, I will be. <laughs> nice. Awesome. <laughs> oh my goodness. So what, what else, what should we, what else should we know about you? What, um, what other fun things have you got going on? Um, <laughs> well, this is pretty much my life. <laughs> If it's not involving the business or my kids, I, I really have nothing. Somebody is asking um, about groups that they maybe should follow or be involved in. So I, I'm, I'm not sure exactly how they're, they're wording it, what they're asking, but I'm suspecting, and I think a good question is, if somebody is, is an upholsterer and needs to be connected or wants to be connected with other, other folks doing this work, are there specific groups that you can recommend? Yeah, the Professional Upholsters Network is one that I highly recommend. Everybody in that group is amazing and so helpful and nobody ever cuts anybody down they always build you up and i absolutely love that about them there's a lot of furniture questions um but there's also some automotive in there as well and um the auto upholsters is a good one Pretty much is this on facebook that. or are these yep. organizations yep on facebook um those are pretty much the, the two big ones that I use. But I mean, if you type in auto upholstery in the, the search bar for groups, the two main ones are gonna come up, but then there's also some that are, um, that you can join as well. But those are the two that I have noticed are the most helpful and filled with the people that just want to see everybody succeed and don't cut anybody down. Like that drives me absolutely crazy. Like, not everybody has years of experience and even the beginners need a place to go to ask the more experienced people for help. Yeah. That's how, that's how we learn. That's how we grow. And that's how we keep our trade going. Yeah. And if we don't help the people who are trying to learn, what are we, what are we setting ourselves up for? Yeah. Uh, the death of our industry <laughs> is what we're setting up. No, 100%. I agree. It's so frustrating to me when I see that. And there's, and there's a ton of it in the industry where that making fun of the new kid for asking questions and just giving them a hard time. And it's, it's always been one of my, my biggest gripes is the torture that we put new people in our industry through when instead we should be encouraging and mentoring and excited yep. that they want in to our industry. Yep. And it it's doesn't really count nice. without a lot of hard work. And I know that there's a lot of trimmers out there that had to do things the hard way because they couldn't find somebody or they didn't have Facebook to help them through. And they kind of hold a little bit of a grudge against that because now it's so easy for people. It's like, well, right. yeah, because you saw an, an obvious issue with the system and now we have ways to make things easier for people doesn't mean that you have to make that harder for them like, right yeah, we're, we're team here. right that's the attitude I've, I've heard i my my secrets are hard learned i i learned these skills my own and now you can figure it out yourself yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah not not a good attitude i don't think <laughs> So I, I'm curious, being two years backed up, I can't imagine that that COVID has affected your business, but then I wonder about like supplies and getting materials. Has, has it had an effect on you as um, a business? For the first few months of the pandemic, it was a little rough. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of work coming in and it got a little scary, but it hasn't really affected me much past that. I mean, besides royally messing up my schedule with, you know, the kids being in and out of school and doing oh, virtual right. learning. My kids have been in the shop with me a whole bunch and I have loved it. It's been hard and it's been frustrating at times, 
because it's hard to get work done, but at the same time, they're getting valuable experience for their futures and learning to work with their hands and, you know, hand-eye coordination for my daughter who's four years old and she's turning screws into wood. And oh, I love it. So you have them working on stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Do you think any of your kids will pursue a path in, in the trades, any, any of the trades? Um... I think my two youngest might. Um, Jack's my seven-year-old. He he shows. Um, I mean, he just wants to do whatever you're doing, and he wants to learn anything he possibly can. And I I love that about him so much. He um, he's metal shaping with his dad one day, and he's in and he's learning how to run a sewing machine with me the next day. And, That's awesome. Um, always the same way my my youngest daughter she she just wants to be a part of it all and anything Jax is doing she wants to do too so <laughs> that is awesome it is never too never too young to start teaching them oh. nope. <laughs> so you've got four helpers in the shop right now yep. <laughs> unpaid child labor yeah right <laughs> awesome the best reason to have kids no I'm kidding yep. <laughs> so are you homeschooling them too um, my husband has been taking care of a lot of that. Um, he's, he's amazing. Like I've said before, he's just unreal. But anytime the kids have virtual learning, our, um, two boys that are in school, they do one day of virtual learning a week. So he stays home with them and <clears throat> helps them with their homework. And then I get to go to work, but. So I, I really haven't had to do much of the virtual learning with them. You've, you've had your hands full plenty in, in all of the other areas. Yep. And yay for supportive husbands. God, <laughs> God I couldn't do it without him. <laughs> that is awesome. We, we, uh, none of us can do what we do without a support system for sure. So I'm grateful you have that. So Instagram is going to be booting us off pretty soon. We get an hour limit on our on our happy hour. So any any final words of advice or words of wisdom you want to share with maybe the younger version of you or other folks out there who are wanting to do what you're doing? Yeah, don't give up. It's going to get hard. You're going to have days where you really question what you're doing and if it's something that you really want to do. But just push past it because you'll get through it. And all of those challenges that you think are going to wreck you help make you so much stronger and so much more knowledgeable. Your mistakes are your biggest lessons. And to use them to your advantage. Don't ever get discouraged because you aren't getting things right the first time. Nobody does. That's okay. You'll get it. Just hang in there. Amen to that. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. So for everybody who's watching, I hope you enjoyed. We had a ton of folks chiming in and asking questions. So thanks for participating and for joining in and getting to know Manda with me. A lot of you knew her already, which was really awesome. Uh, if you don't know her already, make sure you go check out her Instagram page, check out her business, check her out on Facebook and support what she's doing. And I appreciate you guys all for tuning in. And I super appreciate you for joining in. And it was really awesome to meet you. And we will be in touch more. <laughs> no, great. Thanks, Bogie. I appreciate you. Absolutely. Have a fantastic evening. Bye, guys. Bye.